We can stand full of faith knowing that you are here, that your promises stand. We can stand upon the authority of your word. We can stand upon the authority of you, the gift of your son, the gift of your spirit, which is present and alive and active and moving and full of confidence approach your throne. Thank you for your promises that have taken place. Thank you for the promises that we can still look forward to to come. We lean on and we trust and rely on you. We pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen. You may take a seat. Well, our Thursday mornings and our Monday mornings this semester, we're going to go through the book of First John together. We're going to walk through it. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, and so we have our grad chapels that take place on Thursday mornings. Uh, but because we have so many great, wonderful students, we flooded over to some of our Monday morning chapels as well. And so for this semester, we got a mix of staff. We have our grads and then a couple guest speakers that will be here. Uh, and we'll walk through the book of First John together on our morning chapel. So make sure you bring your Bible and we're going to open it up. And we get to start with our good friend, Riley Berthoden. So what is it called when you can eat a lot of food and not gain any weight? You have good metabolism. Riley has the best metabolism I think I've ever met out of all the junk food he eats in security late at night and is still a thin guy. Riley, love you, man. Thank you, thank you. I don't know if I'd call myself a thin guy anymore, but, you know, I'm working on it. I'll work on it later, you know. I'm just working on the pastor bod. I think that's a thing, right? It's pastor, I don't know. We'll see when it comes to it. But hi, good morning, guys. How you guys all doing? You guys feeling good? Second day of classes. We still, we're still doing okay? Anyone going to nap later, even though it's only the second day of classes? I see a couple hands. Yeah, I know, hey? I was actually thinking about it, too. Not going to lie, and it's only the second day. Um, but it's okay. Uh, but yeah, these are grad chapels, guys. It's uh, a time where we can come here for half an hour, have a little powwow in worship, you know. I find acoustic worship is just a good break from, from all the big stuff. The big stuff is great, but acoustic is just so nice because it's just you, just the words, and just the, the sounds of everyone's voices together. And so I think it's awesome that we get to spend time with just, just acoustic. Also, Jacob, piano, beautiful. Okay, come on. Uh, amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, these chapels are for grads to come, you know, and practice uh, what they're going to be doing for us their career. You know, they've had four years to gather wisdom, to, uh, to start learning their gifts and how to preach properly. And so it's awesome for you guys to be here so that they can practice, you know, and you guys can encourage them in what they're going to do. Because often it's quite nervous uh, coming up here and preaching and, you know, going into the world and going into a church and having to preach is quite nervous. And so if you guys are here encouraging them, you know, saying, yeah, amen, woohoo, go get them, stuff like that, you know, they'll love that. And so keep being here Thursday. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wow. Go get them. Hey, let's get That might be the new one, you know, go get them. Uh, and so, yeah, so I have the privilege to kick it off. Uh, and so what I'm going to be doing today is I'm just going to be going over First John as like an overview, you know, just going through like the background, the context that First John's written in, the themes, the main uh, focus and all that. And so I'm not going to get too deep and I'm not going to try to get too deep into some of the topics that they'll be talking on later, but we're just going to kind of like skim it over a little bit. And so just to start about First John. So John, uh, First John was written by a guy named John, John, the son of Zebedee. All right. I know. 
Shocking. Uh, and so John, son of Zebedee, was the one who was with Jesus in his time of ministry. Okay? He was one of the 12. He walked with Jesus. He was invited into Jesus' ministry. He got to see the miracles, got to be with him. He was an important man. He was even there as Jesus was dying on the cross. Uh, and in John, it's, it's written that, that Je- Jesus uh, found him to be such an importance because he looked at him and said, hey, take care of my mother for me. All right, so John was important to Jesus. John was there through it all. He saw everything. Uh, and since he saw everything, he wrote down a lot of it. So the Gospel of John, the one that's just so, so thick of just goodness and stuff like that, he wrote that. It's all eyewitness accounts. First John, Second John, Third John, obviously he wrote those two, and he also wrote Revelation. And so John was an important man. Uh, he saw a lot. And so these three letters were written uh, sometime after Jesus' death, around 90-ish AD is what commentaries say, uh, because there's enough time that after Jesus' death, heresies began to rise, and so he had to write these letters to combat the heresies. And so John was in Ephesus at this time, and he was overseeing uh, a, church, a, a community of churches, so a bunch of house churches all around Ephesus, all right? So he wasn't a pastor in one big church, but it was a bunch of small community churches. And so that's what 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John are written to, because they're all written to uh, different churches. And so 2 John, I'm just going to go through the 2nd and 3rd John of what he said, uh, and then we'll dig into 1 John. So 2 John uh, was, uh, John was warning a specific church, okay? And he addresses his letter to the elect lady and her children. And so I'm just going to stop there. And when you hear the elect lady and her children, okay, uh, he was writing to a pastor of a house church, okay? An elect lady. You know what that means? Woman pastor. Okay, so this is saying that Women can be pastors, all right? So if anyone ever tells you guys the Bible says women can't be pastors, show them this and be like, what, what is John's? John was the one that walked with Jesus. He was there. He knows Jesus. And yet he's writing to a woman pastor. So guys, women can preach, can be pastors. All right, can I get an amen? Thank you. Thank you. All right, so John was writing to this church, warning them of these false prophets that were coming. They're going to come to the church, and they're going to be looking for support, uh, maybe a chance to preach on a Sunday to speak. And John was saying, do not let these people in. He's saying, do not let these people in because they are bringing a heresy. They're false prophets. All right, so don't, he's, John was saying, don't even greet them. If you greet them, you're already uh, in with what they're, what they're teaching, what they're saying. And so he's warning them to shut the doors. It's like in chapel here, if we were all in here and we see people coming, knocking on the glass doors, and you got to look at them and be like, nope, and just walk away. You don't even get to say, oh, hi, sorry. John was saying, no, like, leave them be. They're just trying to spread lies and, and uh, heresy, and so don't let them in. And so that's what Second John was, uh, was saying. And Third John is written to a certain member in a church called Gaius. And so this, this was a member, not the leader. And he's say, telling the member, uh, hey, there's missionaries out there. They're coming to your church, so accept the legit missionaries. Right? Accept them. And he's saying this to this, lead, uh, to this member because the leader was not accepting them. He was being dumb and was, and was turning them away and even throwing people out of the church who were accepting them. And so John was trying to correct this, saying, no, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. And so... The John letters are supposed to correct things. And so 1 John, let's start diving into 1 John. So 1 John uh, is a letter, but it doesn't look like a letter, okay? It doesn't begin with, hi, my name is John, to my fellow friends over here. It's, it's, it's a little different. It's still a letter, but it's got a longer prologue and a longer uh, conclusion, all right? It kind of sounds like a poetic sermon in a way. And the, great, the, the cool thing about John is John's teachings are not new, First John's teachings are not, he's not teaching anything new. 
He's actually grabbing a lot from what was the gospel, and especially the gospel of John, and reteaching what was in it. So his goal is to remind Christians to stay true to what they already know. All right, and this is what I love about John. He's not saying, hey, I have so much authority. I saw Jesus. I'm teaching you something new. There's something new for you to learn. Learn from me. He's saying, no, you already know what was good. You already know the truth. Jesus taught you the truth. Be reminded. This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus spoke. This is what Jesus did. Be reminded of the truth. Okay, and this is like pastors say. Pastors aren't coming up with their new doctrines and saying this is the, well, the good pastors are not coming with new doctrines. There may be some other ones. But pastors are taking what Jesus taught, what was in the Bible, in this word, and is reteaching it to us, re-saying it in a way that we can understand it in different contexts. And so, again, John was not teaching anything new. He's taking a lot from what was in the Gospels, and especially John. If you look at the comparison between John and 1 John, there's a lot of similarities. We, won't, we don't have time to go through it, but there's a lot of similarities uh, with that. And so John's goal was to, was to reteach the Christians of what was true so they could hold fast and remain true. And so this church that John was writing to had recently gone through a church split. All right, if you don't know what a church split is, it's really ugly. Uh, the church splits. I don't want to get too deep into it. <laughs> but it's not, it's not pretty. It's not ugly. Uh, and John writes that, it, that an antichrist was, uh, was leading this. And so when I first read this, you know, when I was younger, I guess I, I heard, you know, end times, like the antichrist was going to come. And you know what I was picturing? I was picturing like Godzilla dropping in New York, starting to like hammer things and people starting to like float and stuff like that. And like, I was like, wow, like that's what, that's the antichrist. But John, John was saying that an antichrist had, had started this church split and that there's many antichrists that came before that. And so Antichrist just means anti-Christ, anti-Messiah, anti-Jesus. And so, so they are those who, who rejected God's, uh, God's incarnation. They didn't believe that Jesus came in the flesh and was king. And so this is what, the false, this is what happening in here is that uh, the false prophets were teaching that, that, that Jesus was not the Messiah, that he was not God incarnate. And so John is trying to, to combat that. And so they were, they were coming and they were trying to, you know, get people on their bandwagon. They're like, hey, follow me. You know, Jesus is not the, Jesus is not the Messiah. Come with me. And so, and they were gaining momentum, which is why John was writing to this. It's because they were gaining momentum and so they didn't want them to join him. And so John's teaching style in First John is quite different. It's very random, if you'd say. And so the way I, I describe this is, I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard this. You probably have. But there's a guy who did a relationship talk, and he talked about a guy's brain and a girl's brain, okay? And the guy's brain was like little boxes. So when they think of something like, okay, think about homework, they take out the homework box, they open it, they, you know, they think about this stuff, they close it, they put it back, and then they're like, okay, well, I got to think of what's happening tomorrow. They take out the tomorrow box, they think of that, get all that information, close it. It's like compartments, all right? It's compartments. And they have a nothing box. Girls, who don't know what that is, ask a guy. It's a great thing. You guys don't have one. I'm sorry. Um, but it's a great thing. And then girls' brains. So guys' brains, compartments. Girls' brains, it's like little wires, okay? Like one thing leads to another. It's like a whole... So it's like, oh, I got to do my paper, but then I got homework, uh, but then I got to eat, but then, but then I have to go out over here, but, then, but, but when's the homework over there? But then I got to be here, and the, the teacher said that, and, and it's all connected, okay? Everything leads to one another. They think of one thing goes to another, to another, to another. Guys, boxes, one thing at a time. Girls, all right? So guys against girls. And so John's teaching style is kind of like a girl's brain. All right? He... <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh... Yes, Peter, thank you. 
And so he, he, he has like three core ideas. And he, so he talks about like light here and then he goes to truth and then he goes to love, then back to light, then love, then truth. Then love. So he goes all over the place. It's very random. You'll, you'll encounter this when you look into it a little bit more. And so that's kind of how he teaches. He doesn't go like one to two to three to four. It's just all over the place, very sporadic and random, but yet still fantastic. Okay. Let's keep that in mind. And so that's how John teaches, okay? And so that's just a, be- a brief background of what John is and what we're going to be encountering. So every sermon that you hear from now on on First John, that's the context to these sermons. That's, that's the background to it. And so apply that because, you know, we all know context is important. Right, Mark? Is he in here? I hope Mark. Yeah, right, Mark? Context is important? I got a nod. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I was not listening in that class or something. <laughs> okay. All right, so we're just going to dive in. So we're going to go through 1 John, what's the main focus, a couple of the themes, all right? So the introduction kind of gives us a glimpse of what it's going to say. And so verse 1 talks about, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. All right, so that's the first verse. And so John's main focus is the word of life. And so the word of life he's referring to is Jesus. All right, the word of life is Jesus. And, but he doesn't stop there. He emphasizes something about Jesus. He emphasizes the physicality of Jesus. Okay, he uses words of like he's seen, he's heard, he's touched with his hands. Okay, these are all sensory words, and so he's trying to pick that that he has actually tangibly, physically seen God, seen Him work, seen His miracles, and so he's touched Him. He's he has, he has been there and seen all his miracles. Because remember, the false teachers were teaching that Jesus did not come, that he was not God incarnate. And so Paul is trying to combat that, saying, no, I have seen him. I have witnessed him. I know. Okay, believe me. He uses the words we in this. At the beginning, you can see it says, which, uh, from the beginning, which we have heard. Which we, so the we is he's talking about his, him and his eyewitnesses. Okay, those who had walked with Jesus, who had seen Jesus' miracles, who had been around, okay? And then he uses the word you. So in the, in the second verse, he says, and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. And so you is the next generation, those who had not witnessed Jesus walk on earth. And so the you is kind of like us. We have not witnessed Jesus walk on earth, but we still know him, okay? We still encounter him in worship. We still encounter him in devos while we pray and all that. So we know him. But John is saying, I know him too, But I have seen him. I've witnessed him. I know the truth. So listen to me. Okay, he's using a personal testimony to teach. And we all know that testimonies cannot be refuted unless proven untrue. Okay, so his testimony was strong and he had other eyewitnesses who were teaching. And so thus, it was a strong teaching. All right, so he's just saying, please listen to me. Jesus did come. He was God incarnate. All right, so that is the main uh, thing of the book that he is trying to teach. And in the themes, there's two big themes that come out of this book. All right, one is that God is light. All right, and the second one is that God is love. God is light. God is love. Those are the two main themes in this. So God is light. We all know God, Jesus came. He's the light of the world. You know, darkness uh, trembles at at his light because his light is so powerful. And so thus we have the ability to walk in light. We are not chained to sin, to death because Jesus came and has freed us. He already has victory over death. And over the darkness. And so thus we can walk in light. Am I correct? Okay. Oh, you guys are like half and half. Are we, is that correct? Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Just making sure. And so thus John challenges the church. He says, do not love the world. Do not love the darkness. Do not do what they do. Do not walk in sin, lust, greed, 
No, but come to the light. Come to the light. The light is winning. Jesus is the light. You have the ability to walk in the light. So come to the light. Come to the light. And so how do people walk in light? How do we walk in light? Jesus gives us one commandment. It's found, in, well, it's found throughout, but in John 13, 34, while he, and during the last supper with his disciples, Jesus gives them one commandment. He says, guys, love one another as I have loved you. One commandment, love one another as I loved you. Right before he was to die, he said, love one another as I loved you. And therefore, if someone is in light, it means that they love God and that they love one another, okay? If someone is in light, it means that they have fellowship with God and with each other. That is someone who walks in light, okay? Because walking in light, if we want to walk in light, we listen to God's commandments. And God's commandments is to love one another as I loved you. And so thus, we got to walk in light and love one another. And so God is love. God is love. The second theme, the biggest theme. For Christians, love is defined as giving up one's life for the well-being of others. Because that's what Christ did for us. Let me say that one more time. Love is defined for Christians as giving up one's life. Not affection. Not, oh yeah, I think I, I, think I like them. No, giving up one's life for the well-being of others. Because that's what Christ did for us. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Okay, he loved the world, so he gave up something from himself. He gave up his prized possession, his son, for the world because he loved the world so much. Love is not singular. Love is not meant to be kept to ourselves. God's love is not meant to be harbored in ourselves, but God's love is to be given to us. We understand the love, and so thus we give out, we radiate out, we exude love out. Because that's what Christ, Christ commanded us to do. It's not just for ourselves. Okay, there's so many verses in the Bible that say love one another. Care for one another's needs. You know, carry someone else's burdens. Care, care for the needy. Give to the hungry. Okay, it's loving one another. That's what God commanded us to do. So fellowship with one another is important. Look to the person to the left or the right right now. Fellowship with each other is important. Well, great job. You guys, you guys all did that. I like it. All right. So receiving God's love, guys, receiving God's love should compel us to love others. All right. It should compel us automatically to love others. If we receive God's love, it should be so tangible, so real, so overwhelming that it should change us on the inside. Okay. Our humanistic, uh, our humanistic abilities in us, what we desire is, is that, is that complex of uh, what, I, what, what can I do to survive? What can I do to be better? That's what, the, that's what our bodies tell us. But God's love tells us something different. It's, it's given to us and it says, no, do for other people. Love other people. Enter into fellowship with other people. It's not just about yourself. It's about other people as well. And so we should reach a place that we love God so much and what he's done for us and what he's going to do that we automatically love others because of it. And our love should be so obvious that no one can deny it. All right, no one can deny it. And so Austin, me and Austin are roommates, if you guys don't know. And so Austin claims to be a morning person, all right? I don't know how it's possible. I wake up and I'm just like, you know, I try, I try to get to class. I'm like, don't, please don't ask me to say a question. Like, I can't. Like, I'm not a morning person, so I don't understand how he's a morning person. It doesn't compute with me, okay? 
But I can tell he's a morning person because when, we, when our alarm goes off and, like, I'm just trying to sleep again, you know, just pressing snooze, just I have alarms every five minutes for more than half an hour so I can get up, okay? Like, I, I don't want to get up. And so my eyes are kind of, like, glazed open. But I see, we have a bunk bed. I see Austin's legs dangle off. And then he jumps down. He doesn't, like, climb down delicately. He jumps down, and immediately once his feet start touch, uh, touches the floor, he starts to sing. Okay? He, he did this this morning. We were listening to John Mayer, and he gets down, and he starts singing John Mayer, you know? And last morning, too, he as well jumped down, just started to sing a random song. And we all know Austin. You know, he starts singing, and it's just up from there. It's up from there. So he's going around. He's bubbling. Good morning. Like, hi, how are you? He's in class. What a beautiful day. And everyone's just, like, trying to get to class. They're like... <laughs> so Austin... I can tell is a morning person, okay? He's singing, he's bubbly, he's up. He's a morning person. It's, it's obvious. And our love should be exactly like that. Our love should be so tangible, so noticeable, so real, so authentic that people know that we love them. People should know that. We should be, uh, we should be so noticeable that our love is, again, it's not kept for ourselves, but it's for others as well. Okay, it should be so, so obvious. That means if someone is in need, we don't think about, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe I should... Help. No, it should be automatic that we see someone's need and we should meet it because we love them, because we want to have fellowship with them. We want them to succeed. All right? We don't we just, when we ask how someone's doing, yeah, sometimes it can be a conversation filler. But if someone says, like, they're not doing good, you better stop what you're doing and go and meet that need. Go see what's wrong. Because God's love is not meant to be a conversation filler, it's meant to fill the hearts of people. Okay, we, like, let's stop being nice and just, oh yeah, I'm a nice person, you know, hi, how are you doing? Like, we got to actually be real and authentic, okay? Let's seek the people, let's seek fellowship with others so we can love them, so we can uh, help fix the brokenness. Let's leave the idea that we always have to look good in 2018, all right? Because we as Christians, we are the ones that should know that we are not perfect. We know that we're sinners, we know that we fail, we know that we don't meet the, the status quo, okay? We should know that. So let's leave the idea that I'm always doing good. Because no one is ever always doing good. All right, let's be real. Let's be authentic with each other. Let's leave that in the past of being fake, of trying to look perfect. Okay? We know we sin. We know we aren't perfect. And so let's make, the, let's make this a year that is categorized by love. All right? A love for God, and as a result, a love for others. So let's invite people into fellowship with each other. Let's learn. Let's be in community with one another. And let's enter into fellowship with God and then with each other. All right? It's God and with each other. So as I wrap up, why do we need to know this? Why is John writing this to us? Because that, that in the scope is what First John is saying. And so why is John telling this to us? And verse 4 in chapter 1 shows us. And it says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. All right? Our joy being made complete. And so what that means is that we need to understand that God came, that he, he is the God incarnate, that he, Jesus did walk in the earth, that he rose, or that he died and rose again. And then that we got to understand that he loves us. And so thus, since he loves us, we need to love others. It's automatic. It's us, then others, us, and others. God loves us. And so I need to love others. Doesn't mean you have to like everyone that you see. Doesn't mean you have to like all the quirks everyone has, but it means that you have to love them as a brother and sister in Christ. Okay, it's caring for the needs deeply. Doesn't mean you have to hang out with them 24-7. So let's love on others, okay? It's a, it's a triangle relationship. It's I love God, it's they love God, and we love each other. That's what it should look like. And that is how our joy 
will be made complete. We will be so much more joyful if we just look around in love. Okay? Love is the answer. And so my encouragement and challenge as we go, read this book before we get into it. Okay? Don't just let the chapel people break it down for you. Read this book. It's five chapters long. I listened to the audio Bible in the shower, and I listened to the whole thing. Okay? You can listen to it. Dig into it. Okay? As you do your devos, go to First John. Dig into it. Understand what it's saying to you, and then let the other people who come up and talk about it give you a different perspective on it. Because the Bible doesn't speak in just one way. It speaks numerous different ways at different times. And so dig into it. Dissect it. Understand it for yourself. Don't let these people do it for you. And so I, can't, I encourage you, walk in light, guys. Walk in light. Love God, love each other, and let this semester be categorized by love, okay? That no one feels lonely, no one feels like they're not welcome, that everyone feels loved and cared for, and that we have fellowship with the Father and with each other. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, God. We love you so much. We, we, we recognize that you came that you died and that you rose again and you did so because you loved us and you, and you wanted us to have eternal life. And so we thank you, God. We are, we are forever in debt to you because we are just so thankful, Lord. And so would we receive that love as we walk out from today, God, and would we just share the love with everyone that we meet, Lord? Would it exude out of us, Lord, so that people may see us and see that we have the love of God within us? Lord, let us enter into relationships with each other, fellowship with each other, God, and let us see the, this, this community of believers come together and be a family and care for one of those. And, and would, would the word that come out of it be love, God? Would love categorize this semester, Jesus? So as you go for today, Lord, speak to us, be with us, uh, and bless this day, Jesus. And all God's children said, amen.